0: It's Catherine Colas here of SimplyHormones.com, and I'm here today to talk to Professor Gordon Wishart about the early detection of breast cancer and how thermal imaging fits into this profile. Before I speak to Professor Wishart, let me tell you something about him. He's a consultant breast and endocrine surgeon at Addenbrooke's Hospital, Cambridge. He's distinguished for his pioneering work in the treatment of breast cancer, where he has introduced innovative and sometimes controversial techniques, which have subsequently seen wide acceptance and and adoption. If you want to find out more about Professor Wishart, I've put all the details at the end of this transcript. So here we are. Hello, Professor Wishart, and welcome.
1: Good morning.
0: Good morning. I'd like to start, if I may, by discussing the current breast screening program. There's currently a very good NHS screening program in place that calls forward women aged 50 plus every three years until the age of 70 for a mammogram. Uh, But it seems to me evidence is becoming more widely available in the public domain about an alternative, less invasive method, and perhaps more effective methods that can detect tumours at a much earlier stage, and that is thermal imaging, the use of a heat-seeking camera. Professor Wishart, can you explain to our audience in layman's terms how thermal imaging works?
1: Yes, well, thermal imaging has been around for approximately 50 years, but the reason it's come back to the fore is because there have been great advances in the digital uh, camera technology mainly because these are now being used by the military. And in addition to that, we now have the ability to interpret these scans, which are lots of different colors, and we can interpret those with computer algorithms much more easily. So because of that, we now have a system where we can take digital temperature pictures of the breast while it is being cooled. And what we're looking for are areas of the breast that have abnormal blood patterns, or areas of the breast that don't cool down during this period of cooling. And the reason that cancers and tumors don't cool down is that they encourage their own blood supply to grow around them to feed the tumor. And these are abnormal blood vessels which don't contract when they meet cold air, so they retain their heat. So those are the things that we're looking for on an infrared scan.
0: Yes, that's... uh um, and it seems to be working quite effectively, doesn't it?
1: Well, the, the recent research study that we published showed that it, it was very effective in detecting breast cancer, especially in younger women. And, and that's the great challenge for us. Most of the delays in diagnosis in breast cancer occur in women under 50. yeah, And it's, it's in that age group where the breasts are more dense the mammograms are less sensitive and it's it's just much harder to actually detect breast cancer in those women.
0: Yes, Yes. Um, but it also seems to me that no one is paying any attention to looking at ways or what's certainly not in the press or anywhere that most people would see, that nobody's paying any attention to looking at ways of reducing the incidence of breast cancer. Um, In my view, I wouldn't want to be faced with such a diagnosis and be subjected to disfiguring surgery and a lifetime of dependency on drugs. Uh, But instead it's become the norm, if you like, where both the NHS and cancer charities channel the research and thus thus our understanding of the process towards looking at a truncated life after diagnosis and how they would provide a reasonable quality of life through drugs. What would you say to this?
1: Well, I think prevention of breast cancer is probably going to be something that we are going to talk more about. I mean, up until now, the the two main risk factors for breast cancer are being female and having a family history, of course, neither of which you can do anything about. Yes. I think some of the things that have increased our risk in in recent times are um, essentially reproductive factors. A lot of women are now having their first pregnancy pregnancy at quite a late age, Um, they're not breastfeeding because they're anxious to get back to work. And in general, we're having less numbers of children than before. And all of these things increase your risk of breast cancer by small amounts, but but they all add up at the end of the day. Um, And so I think, you know, when you look at the incidence of breast cancer in Western countries compared to, say, rural Africa or Asia, we have a much higher incidence because they are still having multiple pregnancies. They start as teenagers and they breastfeed. And so I think there is something for public health really to to tackle there. But I think there are two other risk factors that have really um, now uh, been much more widely recognized and and that is alcohol Mm -hmm. and obesity. And and we we know in this country that we do have a teenage and a, a young adult alcohol problem. Yep. Uh, there's much more binge drinking and much more much greater alcohol drunk by women. If we look at, you know, the generation of my mother or my grandmother, yes. women didn't really indulge in alcohol.
0: No.
1: But that's changed dramatically, and we do have quite a lot of young girls now who are both drinking heavily and are overweight and. Uh, we already know that the incidence of breast cancer is going to increase to about 1 in 7 by the wow. year 2024. But actually, with alcohol and obesity, uh, moving forward at the rate they are, it, mm-hmm. it could actually be higher than that.
0: Yes, and that's in younger women, you think? Yes, it is. Yes. It, it,
1: well, the, the the risk factors are occurring in younger women. We don't yes. really know how long it will take for that to feed through to to um, to increased um, incidence, but it's something we'll need to monitor.
0: Yes, yes, obviously, as women age, their incidence increases, but now you 're saying it 's becoming uh, it 's going to become a serious problem with women even younger
1: I, I suspect so yes
0: yes yeah um and but that that leads us nicely to my next question to you. If we could move on to how information is made available to us, uh, my own research has revealed that published information on early detection of breast cancer focuses on personal breast awareness uh, feeling for lumps that you haven't noticed before but not much else really what are your recommendations on personal breast awareness
1: well i, I think there are probably three main areas to focus on what, one is knowing what to look for yeah. Um, one is knowing when is the best time in the month to actually examine yourself and then the third element is really what is your risk is, is it average? Is it lower than normal? Is it higher than normal? I, I personally think that the breast cancer charities have, have given a very mixed message to women during the last 10 to 15 years and, and I think have discouraged many women from carrying out self-examination. Mm. I think when they introduced the breast awareness campaign, I think what they were trying to stop was women examining themselves every day and becoming yes. very anxious about everything yes. they felt. Yeah. But But actually, Given that women detect 90% of breast lumps themselves, yes. unless they know what their normal breasts feel like, I can't see how they're going to find a new lump easily. Yes. And so I think examining yourself once a month is the right thing to do. I think the best time to do it is about day 10 to 14 of your cycle so that the normal lumpiness that can often come with a period yep. has settled down by then. And yes. then you have the, the best chance of spotting something new. So mm. I think self-examination is a good idea. Yes. I think doing it mid-cycle is the right time. Um, and then the other thing is that now we can actually give someone an idea of what their own personal risk is. Right. Uh, and in Breast Health UK we've been using um, a, a well-validated model which looks at family history and lifestyle called yeah. Tyra Kuzik. Yeah. And by filling in this questionnaire we can give someone... Um, a prediction of their lifetime risk, uh, and so that if it's lower than normal, well, that must be quite reassuring. Yes. Although low risk doesn't mean no risk, and no. and they would still have to, uh, you know, uh, vigilance is guidance. key, isn't it? Yes. That's right. But if someone's at higher risk, then there are a number of things that they can do. They might want to start screening at a younger age, or
0: yes,
1: um, or have more intensive screening.
0: Yes. So I think
1: I think those are the key things.
0: Yeah, and do you think that's where the thermal imaging could come in, because the, the, uh, you, could, you could see more than a, a, a mammography would pick up?
1: Well, we've certainly got a number of younger women um, under the age of 50 who are now having um, digital infrared breast scan, which is a, a type of thermogram, yes. um, because they want to start something at a younger age.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and so... It has become very popular with women who just can't get access to mammography.
0: Yes, that's good. And also, just to bring in the uh, the older woman, with women who are already postmenopausal. Obviously, they're not in a cycle anymore. So, would you probably just pick a date in the month, say the middle of the month, for argument's sake, when they should chest their, check their breast? Yes,
1: absolutely. And, and and I know that you know these things are always difficult to remember. And it's yeah. one of the things that um, we're introducing as part of Breast Awareness Month is um, an actual um, text reminder service through Breast Health UK so that women who sign up for this can will get a text at the right time in the month so that they can remember to examine themselves. And there's also a very good video showing women how to examine themselves. Yes. So that's something that, you know, we hope through the, the Breast Awareness Month people can get access to this. Yes, And, um, yes. and you know, because um, I, I think, to be quite honest, I think... The majority of people do not examine themselves, and those that do are not very sure what they're looking for. So I hope that this will help all women.
0: Yes, it's it's certainly raising awareness, isn't it, in a a much better way, because it's quite random at the moment where women may find out um, how to examine their breasts properly. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true Yes. Okay. I just uh, moving on again um, I recall listening to an interview you did recently on Radio 4 Woman's Hour and uh, with Professor Hilary Thomas from Breakthrough Breast Cancer and I remember Professor Thomas expressing a view that thermal imaging was not an option as the evidence and research was just not there what would you say to this?
1: yeah I think you know, I think any representatives from the charities always give a very balanced view and, and, and there's always a balance between early results and getting those new technologies out there yeah. and and you know, not really raising women's expectations too high. Yeah, I see. mean I think what she was trying to say is look, you haven't done a screening a research study of 10,000 women and followed them up for 10 years yes and the reality is that whatever new technology comes along we're not going to be able to do that now yes. we're just not able to wait that length of time and no. so by taking we have shown in our research study that it can detect breast cancer mm. and so the way that we have been using it recently is in addition to mammography yes. so we're not we're not trying to set this up as an alternative to mammography. What we're trying to say is that mammography is not very good in younger women. Mm. Why not add this on so that we have a better chance of detecting something if it's there? And so mm. I I think I, I mean I wasn't surprised by that approach and you always mm. get a very cautious approach. You know, with yes. any new breakthrough.
0: Yes, yes, I know. And it's, I think it's different with drugs though, because you have to do so many tests to make sure that it's safe, but with something like this new technology, it's like new computers, with iPads, with everything else, it's so fast, isn't it? The the technology is is coming into our field of recognition in in such volume and so quickly that we need to understand it more quickly, don't we, ourselves?
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. But, um, you know, I I think it's all to do with, you know, being cautious and managing expectations. Mm. I mean, for, for instance, you'll remember that there was a story just a few months ago about uh, a, a possible vaccination to stop women getting breast cancer. Yes. And, and that was very uh, well exposed in all the media. Yes. Uh, but the reality from that is it's only been tested in animals. Right. Uh, you would then have to do a, a study in humans where you took a group of women and you randomised half of them to the vaccine and half of them not to have a vaccine. Yes. And then you'd have to follow them up for a very long period of time to yes. see who got breast cancer and whether it was less in the vaccinated group yes so i think that's an example of where expectations were raised far too high yes and, and there wasn't really a balanced reporting yes but i think yeah. it's, it's always difficult to, to get it right
0: yeah because people want these things to happen yesterday don't they when they hear the news they want to start queuing up and uh, and getting it sorted
1: yes they do yes. and of course every time there is one of these large news stories. Um, those of us doing breast cancer clinics just meet people coming in with you know bundles of papers that they've, they've, they've published from the internet and they want to talk it through and why did I not have this and and, and it does create a lot of anxiety so that you know I think we have to just then um, work yes. it through in, in the best way that we can
0: yes yeah and uh, finally I'd like to ask you um uh, or talk to you about, Trala, improving the early detection of breast cancer must surely be a long-term goal for the NHS, not least because it could save so much money, uh, so mu- yes, yeah, so much money, and um, of course the dis- disfiguring surgery along with chemo and radiotherapy, the psychological trauma for women. Um, and the savings overall in all those things must surely run into millions of pounds. What's your view on this?
1: Well, I think there's no doubt that breast screening in this country has been successful at at detecting smaller tumors that are less likely to have spread and, as you say, um, require much less treatment. So I hope that despite the economic crisis and and the reductions in funding for the NHS, that the breast screening program is here to stay. It does seem to me, however, that the people running that program um, are reluctant to change the way that it's organized. Um, you know, for instance, it's the same screening program for everybody regardless of your age and regardless of your risk. Yes. I mean, what, one of the things we know for instance, is that if you have more dense mammograms, you have a higher risk of breast cancer. Right. And we've known that for, for many years now. So, it, it wouldn't be that difficult to look at the first mammogram, every the first screening mammogram that someone has, you know, after they're 50, yeah. and if they were very dense, they might go down one particular route of screening that might involve more intense screening, and if they were less dense, you might need much screening. Yes. In addition to that, there are um, genetic tests that you can do that also modify that risk up or down now. And so it, it, it seems to me that a screening program that was stratified according to your risk Mm. might actually be more cost-effective than just doing the same thing for everyone.
0: Yes.
1: But but it, it despite asking these questions uh, with the ground the risk, there no appetite for doing that at present. Yes. And I think I think it's unlikely that it is going to change. I think it's unlikely that new things are going to be added in to it. I, I suspect it's going to remain very uh, much the way it is at yes. present. Um, yes.
0: So, so if women but from a personal perspective and I know many women agree with me on this that uh, mammograms are, can be very very painful and um, you also run the risk I've heard women say and I've said it myself I'm not going for another mammogram they're just too painful so I, I think they would probably embrace thermal imaging uh, but of course they'd have to do it on a private basis wouldn't they
1: well yeah unfortunately that, that's correct mm. I mean if we look at the uptake or the invitation to come for breast screening across yes. the UK, it's about 70 to 75% in the best areas. Right. In some of the parts in London, it's, you know, where, where there are um, large numbers of ethnic minorities yeah. where maybe the message hasn't got across about the importance of it. Yes. That the, the, the pickup rate can be down as low as 30%. Really? So there are clearly a large number of women who either don't want to come or choose not to come. Yes. So at least we now have an alternative yes. that they may want to to explore.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for all that information, Professor Wishart. It's, I think it's been very helpful, and I'm going to put all the information at the end of the transcript about the breast health programme uh, you're running, because of course it's Breast Health Awareness Month in October, and. Um, I think there'll be a lot of people that will be picking up on this. I've I've already spoken to some friends about uh, thermal imaging and the things I've discovered, and they're saying, oh, yes, give me the details. So uh, uh, breast cancer, I think, is something that really hits home to women, and they want to be aware and to do something about it. Um, So thank you for that once again, Professor. You're very welcome. uh, Hopefully we'll talk again on another occasion. Thank you for now. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: Bye-bye.